listening to The Dollop. This is a bi-weekly, semi-week, what did I used to say? Bi-weekly. Bi-semi-weekly American history podcast. Each week, once, I read a story (laughs) to... You just from opened American, the beer. How are you drunk? From American history to my friend... Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. Very potent beer. You just open it and get tipsy. Yeah, wasted. One sip. Jesus. God, you want to hit a dude? I'll do one bottle. <laughs> people say this is funny? Not Gary Gareth. Dave, okay. Someone or something is tickling people. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tickling Podcast. Okay. You are Queen Fakie of Made Up Town. All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. A bunch of religious virgins go to mingle. And do what? Pray. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by our subscribers on Patreon. I want to thank each and every one of you who subscribe. You're very, very nice people. Uh, now, we're kissing every one of them, right? That's We've established right that? Right on the face. Okay. November 1894. Okay. A political party known as the Fusion Ticket won control of both houses of North Carolina. They were the ones who sort of mixed Chinese with, like, Mexican. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, okay. Democrats, who were the white man's party, uh-huh. conservative white man party, party, had been in control of the state for over 20 years. They suddenly found themselves on the outside. The Fusion Party was made up of white farmers from the Populist Party uh, who were dealing with economic hardships from falling agricultural prices and high freight rates. Okay. And the Republicans, who were mostly African-Americans. When those two Nothing's groups, changed. So those two groups merged in what you would describe as a class struggle. Uh-huh. If poor whites and blacks vote on the same ticket, that's a class struggle. Okay. Right. And when it's not that, they kill each other. That's also a class struggle. Great. Good. Uh, the 1894 Fusionist Legislature quickly got rid of the Democratic Party's policy of appointment for local offices. Okay. <laughs> That included mayors, city council members, school board, etc. So they would basically win the the big prize, the legislature, and then they would just appoint everybody all over the state. Yeah. And now elections would be held to fill those positions. Well, that sounds shittier. Democracy had arrived. Don't like it. I well, yeah, tell okay. us what we're supposed to do. It. I okay. I Let think- us know where what you want. Uh, just do your thing. We trust you. Just be cool, though. No bullshit. But do your thing. We trust you. Yep, totally fair. You guys are cool. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, And the Fusion Ticket passed a law decreasing property requirements for voters. So you didn't just have to own property. And um, we're a good place. Shit was on, is what I'm saying. Sure. This is 1894. Yep. The Fusion Ticket continued to roll. In 1890- I really like the Fusion Party name already. That's fucking it's great. spicier than anything I've heard in a while. I picture, I picture their uh, symbol being like a, a neon pink... Uh, kind of a uh, swirl. Martini glass. Yeah, okay, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Can we vote on Cosmopolitans, please? <laughs> uh, so, uh, the Fusion Ticket... Ticket continues to roll. In 1896, the party won every statewide race in North Carolina. Total blowout. 
It increased its majority in the legislature uh, while uh, Republican Daniel Russell became governor. He was a white man from the city of Wilmington. Okay. So they're fucking rolling in the shit. Sure. Wilmington was referred to as the big city. It's in the east eastern uh, area of North Carolina where the Cape Fear River flows into the Atlantic Ocean. Uh-huh. This was a prosperous port town. North Carolina was mostly a rural state scattered with farm towns and small textile mills and lumber camps, tobacco market, etc. Uh-huh. The city had been majority black before the Civil War and after the war, freed slaves left plantations to move to towns and cities. Uh, yeah, shocking that they, uh, they didn't want to hang. Is it, I don't know why a black, a freed black guy wouldn't want to hang out in the country with all those <laughs> yeah. ex-masters. Yeah. Oh, well, this is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect to see you here, sir. You owned me a few weeks ago. I apologize for all the lashings I sponsored earlier in your career. May uh, I buy you a sarsaparilla? It actually wasn't a career. Well, when I think about it, I mean, you worked for me, did you not? Yeah, but... I and I promoted you right to the top where I was allowed to. Yeah, yeah, Think of when I gave you lemonade. That was a thank you payment for all the hard work. Sure, I lost my cool a couple of times. Things I, were different then. I have scars. I remember. I have scars too. Do you have any idea how hard it is to hold a whip? I'm going to shoot you in the face. I, legally, you're right now, sir. Anyway, two sarsaparillas, barkeep. One for me and my friend. Oh, fuck. Okay, so there was, there was basically safety and economic security in building black communities in cities and towns. Okay. So the number of African Americans living in Wilmington surged. In 1896, Wilmington had a population of 20,055. Blacks outnumbering whites by 11,324 to 8,731. Okay. I'm sure the white people felt totally fine with I'm that. I'm sure they're totally fine with it. There was a small but significant black middle class. Black businessmen dominated the restaurant business as well as owning barbershops, tailor shops, and drugstores. African Americans were firemen, policemen, mailmen, and had an all-black health board. Great. <laughs> there were there were not many tensions between the races until the laws of, uh, of appointing people to positions were changed. There, sorry, say that again. There wasn't a lot of tension because the whites were in control of everything. Oh, right. And so, then once those laws right. of appointing people were gone, all of a sudden there was. So when you say the te- like by tension, you mean the white people were like we want it back to when it was just our way. Right, we got to say what we want. Come on. It's not a democracy if the black people are voting. Come on. Democrats in the city had held power for 15 years or 20 years, but because of the new rules in March elections, the mayor and six of the 10 city council members voted in were from the Fusion Party. Yeah. Now there were three blacks on the 10-member city council. (laughs) Another black man was now the uh, a member of the Board of Audit and Finance, and on and on it went. The Justice of the Peace was now black, as were the Deputy Clerk of the Court, Superintendent of the Streets, and the Coroner. Big, big changes. I just am wondering, when did it all go back to the old ways? Oh, it'll be fine. This will be fine. People sure. Gonna, this is a happy story. This is when people are like, oh, we'll try something Who's new. the fusion party running on this next election? I forget. Wilmington was one of the few southern cities with a black newspaper, the Daily Record. Hard to read those. There's Be- no print. It's all black. Yeah. 
the uh, collector of customs at the port was a federally appointed job. The job went to a black man named John Dancy, a prominent white. <laughs> I'm hoping he's a dancer. I am so. Woo! There he goes. Ah, that's Dancy, all right. You can see him a mile away. A prominent white Democrat was fired from the job. John Dancy was referred to in the Wilmington Messenger newspaper as Sambo of the Customs House. Uh, explain that. <laughs> I'm, I'm dubious. You're dubious? Yeah. Why is that? Just tell me how it's horribly racist. Uh, it's not. It's, it's not? Sambo of the Customs House? Yeah. Oh, Sambo is a horribly racist word. Okay. But California, for a long time, had restaurants called Sambo's, and then some of them became a restaurant called Denny's. Now, if you don't like to hear what is known as the N-word by some people, then you probably shouldn't listen to this episode. Should I close this window? I chose, the, I chose to use the word uh, uh, in all the podcasts about history as it is spoken and written by people from the time because I don't like to whitewash the history, and I think to do so wrongly cleanses the like brutality of the language that the people had to live under fair i i think it's when you're talking i i still don't feel i still will skip it in hip-hop songs to myself but i hear what that, you're saying well i mean that I, history but when people said sure stuff. well i think to your point i mean i think i'm at the point where i'm like i don't know what we need to change but whatever addresses the racism of our country i think is good so maybe this helps The Wilmington Messenger uh, was decidedly not into the new power change in town. Sure. Quickly, North Carolina Democrats plotted their return to power. The propaganda machine churned. Newspapers across the country jumped on board. Josephus Daniels was the editor of the Raleigh News and Observer and was the voice of the state Democrats. Okay. Something tells Uh, me we're going to fall in love. Fun tidbit. Daniels would go on to be the Secretary of the Navy during the Newport sex scandal. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, always anyway. a fun time. Daniels hired a cartoonist to draw horrific f- front-page caricatures of blacks. Great. Well, I mean, I've never seen a offensive cartoons of blacks from this time. So never. No. Uh, one was really a- don't go overboard. One was of a large... Negro foot with a white man pinned under it with the caption, how long will this last? Oh, God. So you're handling it well. They're handling it really good. Jesus. There was also a huge vampire black Batman with Negro rule inscribed on its wings and white women beneath its claws with the caption, the vampire that hovers over North Carolina. Aren't they supposed to be funny? Isn't that like part? Aren't you? You're at least supposed to attempt humor, right? Like a lot of them miss, but maybe they were trying and just missing by quite a bit. <laughs> okay. Uh, he also printed up stories with headlines such as "Negroes have social equality." A Negro insulted the postmistress because he did not get a letter. He has every right. And Negro on a train with big feet behind white. Uh, who, what, I mean, that's, regardless of the racism, that's just a boring story. It's a terrible headline, and it's also a terrible... Honey, get in here! This man had big feet! And a white guy was in front of him! On the train! What? Um, and in the city, Thomas Clausen, editor of the Wilmington Messenger, got to work, quote... 
There have been more rapes attempted upon white women, some of high school rank in the South within two weeks than perhaps at any previous period in the history of the South. The reason why lynchings are fierce and frequent is because just before you read of a lynching, you read of some awful crime against some pure, virtuous white woman. How can Southern men feel that life and home are safe with the damning record of the last two or three weeks staring them in the face? What home is sacred and safe from the brutal invader? Jesus, he's really building up momentum. An- another, another editorial. When a knock is heard at the door, a white woman shudders with nameless horror. The black brute is lurking in the dark, monstrous beast crazed with lust. His ferocity is almost demonical. A mad bull or tiger would, could scarcely be more brutal. A whole community is frenzied with horror, with the blind and furious rage for vengeance. Honey, have you read today's editorial? I skimmed it. I think tigers are raping people. <laughs> I just had to skim it. Boy. Yeah. Get really, really got... Well, it, uh, we, as we know from the dollop, anytime you would like to change something, you just say the black men were raping white women. Yeah. And then you get to change stuff. Yeah. Scare, yeah. Make people be scared of the black people. On August 11th, 1897, Rebecca Latimer Felton spoke at the Georgia Agricultural Society. She said that farm wives faced many dangers. Sure. But, quote, none greater than the threat of black rapists. Absolutely. I was going to say, I mean, without question, you have a lot of dangerous farming equipment. Right. But obviously... Also, there's giving birth in the farmhouse. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, Uh, you know, general, general issues like that. But really, when it comes down to it, it is uh, the black Batman who keeps raping people. Yeah, that's yeah. the... I mean, he's got the claws. Uh, yeah. It's, the claws uh, are a game changer. The whole thing's just... Uh, it's terrifying. Don't answer the door, by the way, when he comes knocking in that other article. That's all you have to do. Don't yeah. answer the door. Yeah, it's simple. Uh, she wanted charitable donations for overseas missionaries to be spent at home educating young white girls who were not being protected by the white men of the South. Oh, God. What? I mean, God, get, uh, get off your fucking high horse. Good God. Enough. I mean, I'm white and I'm sick of it. White men had failed to protect farm wives from the black rapist. Vigilante justice is a way for men to restore that protection. If it needs lynching to protect women's dearest possession from the ravenous human beast, then I say lynch. Human beast. A thousand times a week if necessary. Pardon? That's what she said. Curb the numbers, first no, of all. a thousand a week. A th- he, he probably, like, Standard the, number. The rope industry was like, yes! He's just peeling at its mustache. No, a thousand, eh? Mortimer, order more rope! Yeah. Uh, insane. I mean, I, I yeah. Good God. Speaking to white Republicans, she said, quote, You are the Negro's teacher. You must correct your teachings or you cannot escape the wrath of an outraged people. Rebecca Felton gave I also this. love how there was, there's no, like, okay, th- this is obviously, like, as you addressed, propagandist in nature. Yeah. However, even if it weren't, yeah. these people were enslaved. Yeah. How is there no grace period of adjustment where you're like, like, oh. this isn't even happening, but oh, you would yeah. still think, mm-hmm. they got a right to be a little pissed. No, right? I don't know. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's. I mean, what? I don't. They they won't get over it. It's been months. Good Lord, we said sorry. Ugh. Rebecca Felton gave this exact speech many, many times all over the South, as well as it being printed in newspapers for the entire next year. It was her stump speech. Alfred Manley was the editor of the Daily Record, Wilmington's black newspaper. Okay. He was clearly not down with the total bullshit being spewed in print and in speeches. So he wrote an editorial. Scathing cartoons coming their way. He wrote an editorial. Oh, boy. In response <laughs> to Rebecca's speech. Should I be as excited as I am? Quote, the papers are often filled with reports of rapes of white women, always a big, black, burly brute, and the ensuing lynching of the alleged rapist. The editors pour forth volumes to condemn all Negroes because of the few who may be guilty. Our experience among poor white people in the country teaches us that the women of that race are not any more particular in the matter of clandestine meetings with colored men than are the white men with colored men, colored women, sorry. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good. Meetings of this kind go on for some time until the women's infatuation or the men's boldness bring attention to them, and the man is lynched for rape. Tell your men that it is no worse for a black man to be intimate with a white woman than for a white man to be intimate with a colored woman. <laughs> Boom! Yeah, he's, he's, dro he's dropping the mic. <laughs> this might be the first mic drop. Yeah. You, what does it say at the end? Mic drop? What does he mean? Who's Mike? <laughs> I want you to find this mic and lynch him. You set yourselves down as a lot of carping hypocrites in that you cry aloud for the virtue of your women while you seek to destroy the morality of ours. Don't think ever that your women will remain pure while you are debauching ours. Mm. The sow you seed, the harvest will come in due time. Jeez. Okay, so that's... That's a serious editorial. That's great. From a black gentleman. But I can only imagine that no, uh, fine with it. people didn't no, take no, kindly no. to this work. They're going to be fine but with so it. But so true. Oh. I mean, yeah. not he's that... Say, he's saying, by the way, we fuck your white women, yeah. and just like you fuck our black women, and then when we're done fucking your white women, they're mad at us, then they say we raped them. Yeah. We're just giving them a good time. Yeah. Again, keep in mind what has been happening the past few years. <sighs> And then the Southern whites freaked oh. the fuck out. Oh, God. Southern newspapers reprinted distorted versions of the editorial with oh. the headlines, Negro editor slanders white woman. Negro defamer of white women. A horrid slander of white women. Infamous attack on white women. Uh, it, I mean, it is, it's just me. It's media. It's still the same yeah, shit. It still hasn't changed at all. It's like when you source the actual story, you're like, wait, what? No, no. I didn't say that. No, at you all. just were. Re it's like yeah. it's like when I thought I did a Johnny Carson impression because I did Dana Carvey's Johnny Carson impression. <laughs> you just it's a copy of a copy eventually, and nobody really remembers the source. In the fall of 1898, North Carolina's Democratic leadership came to Wilmington to organize a local campaign committee. Money was raised, and white supremacy clubs were. Oh, he is here. Oh, well, we'll stop it right there. Okay. I mean, we should explain we just took a little halftime. Yeah, we just took a break. We just did uh, commentary on the documentary Tickled. 
for the for the DVD for the for DVD the, so uh, tickled documentary. We just stopped in the middle of our podcast. Right. <laughs> did doc did we watch tickled? We did commentary, commentary for it, and then it's going to be on the probably um, unless someone hates it, but. No, he liked it. He liked it, but but maybe a producer would be like, "What is this?" No way, we nailed it, baby. That guy kept saying Beaver Town. Well, listen, we both said Beaver Town a couple times, sure. <laughs> uh, but now, so we're jumping back in. We're jumping so back into the. We've podcast. had a tickled halftime on our racist dollop. <laughs> so here we go, which Justin Timberlake had to perform at, by the way. Yeah, for sure. A lock. In the fall of 1989, North Carolina's Democratic leadership came to Wilmington to organize a local campaign committee. All innocent. Money was raised and white supremacy clubs were formed called the White Government Union. Well, I always think you should be transparent with your racist movements. Yeah. You know, let them know. And KKK is so misleading. Oh. It just kind of sounds like you're saying all right. It could also be a candy KKK. Bar. Everything's fine. <laughs> everything's KKK. How am I? KKK. Uh, uh, they made they forced whites to join. A resident quote: "Many good people. We need white. slaves of some kind. <laughs> Any color will do." Quote, many good people were marched from their homes and told to sign. Those that did not were notified that they must leave the city, as there was plenty of rope in the city. What's the point? Oh, God almighty. You can't force someone to join a white supremacy group. They're going to be like, ah, yo, my heart's not really in it. We're actually just a supremacy group. And you better love burning crosses. I don't. Hey, you joined the group, right? Yeah, but you made me. You made me sign that shit. What'd you sign? You hate blacks. That's because you made me. You said you were going to beat the shit out of me if I didn't sign it. Yeah, welcome to white supremacy. You think I want to be here? I'm a legacy. Oh, God. Yeah, I, don't I was born do- into this. <laughs> it's like a North Korean jail. <laughs> the prison I were born into. Oh. Democratic Senator Ben Pitchfork Tillman. So, Dave... <laughs> That's a nickname. That's not his given name. Oh, shocking. I'm named after my Uncle Pitchfork. (laughs) He was an actual pitchfork. My guess is this guy leans very liberal. I I would imagine if your nickname is Pitchfork, you're just super into... Yeah. He hung out with Nick Flaming Torch Schmidt. Yeah. This is the this is the guy who's like trans people should be able to use bathrooms. Whatever they want, freedom must ring. So he led a huge rally on October twentieth in Fayetteville, South Carolina. A delegation from Wilmington was there, and Senator Tillman spoke. Quote Why didn't you kill that damn nigger editor who wrote that? Send him to South Carolina and let him publish any such offensive stuff and he will be killed. He said out loud to a bunch of people who then went, yay. Good point. Good point, America. Freedom of the press. The Wilmington delegation led a parade. Right after them were 300 red shirts. Red shirts were the military-style terrorist wing of the Democratic Party. What? After them came the committee chairman and finally the Wilmington Brass Band. But in between them was a terrorist group. Sure. Yeah. No, I heard about the meat in the sandwich. Uh, Red shirts terrorized blacks and whites who were friendly to blacks. They broke up political meetings. They destroyed property and they shot at citizens in ambush. 
People were taken from their homes in the middle of the night and whipped. People began to be scared to register to vote. Red shirts began marching and having rallies in Wilmington. The Democratic Party doesn't talk about this very much. Oh, I think they do. <laughs> Have you watched the last two DNCs? Okay, that's fair. They really embrace it. It's My- their Clint Eastwood talking to an empty chair. It really, yes. Mike Dowling, an Irishman who had been fired from the foreman uh, as the foreman of Fire Engine Company Number Two for quote incompetency, drunkness, and insubordination, they can't prove a thing. Led the red shirts in town. Oh, good. Good. I'll handle all the blacks. Well, listen, I'm the worst. Why don't I lead? (laughs) I've got a history of red flaggery. Shall I take this one? Uh, the red shirts would act like they were in the cavalry. White women would wave flags and handkerchiefs as the armed red shirts passed through town on horseback. Well, it's great that slavery ended. <laughs> Glad that we turned the page on that. Newspapers printed notices of white supremacy meetings. What? On November 2nd, Dowling and his red shirts led a white man's rally that fre- featured free barbecue. Okay. So well, it's festive. I mean, you open the paper, like, oh, honey, there's a white supremacy meeting today downtown at the library. Oh, I mean, but all, uh, like, I mean, also the uh, like the idea that there was a time when white people were like, we know how to barbecue. <laughs> like the black people were like, you fucking idiot, Fuck sauce the ribs. You can't take everything. Jesus Christ. We know how to do it. Some southern home cooking. So how many people do you think were at these rallies? Well, Dave, in my in my heart of hearts, I would think I would love to say like twenty. Close. Wilmington super white citizen Alfred M. Waddell spoke to a crowd of about twelve hundred. Oh, God damn it! When you said close, I was like, "Good, God, <laughs> damn it!" Quote: We are reduced to the pitiful necessity of choosing whether we will live under the dominance of Negroes led by a few unprincipled men. I love how it's dominance. Yeah. Oh, it's dominance. The dominance. They've had a a grasp on us long enough. They've had six months of free reign. How much longer must we live under the thumb of a Negro? And see the ruin of all we hold dear and prove ourselves worthy of the respect of mankind by restoring good government at all hazards at every cost. Our white dominance is the only issue in the coming election. We will never surrender to a ragged, rubbish pile of Negroes, even if we have to choke the Cape Fear River with caucuses. Too much. What? A very thick. It's a. It's a. It's laying a very, it on very. Thick. It's a very focused I, speech, I just, election speech. Uh, Days before the election, the white supremacy movement brought, bought a rapid firing Gatling gun. Oh, cool promotion! Then rumors swirled that blacks were buying guns and preparing to fight. It was said the see blacks, that's what's so fucked. Like the idea that you're like, how dare they? We just got a Gatling gun. That doesn't mean they should get guns. You're telling me they're preparing themselves. Oh, dear. Classic black. (laughs) Classic. Can't trust them. The second we declare war on them, they're getting ready to fight. What are you going to do? It was said blacks were going to burn white men's cotton bales and warehouses. Unbelievable. How dare they? Oh, really? But by the way, cotton burns fast. 
the Democrats hired a black detective to investigate the rumors okay. from Colonel Tom's Uncle Tom's. Uh, <laughs> Colonel, detective he, agency. I didn't know he got promoted. <laughs> I am now a colonel from Uncle Tom's investigative agency. This is my African American brigade. <laughs> These are the Uncle Toms. Uh, the black detective's conclusion was that the blacks in town were, quote, doing practically nothing. Alrighty. But a couple of white Pinkerton detectives reported that black women servants would burn the houses of their employers, and black men had openly threatened to burn the town down if whites won the election. <sighs> Black men tried to buy weapons for protection, but the white store owners refused to sell to them. When they tried to order them from the north, the company's local agent rejected Didn't they know the about the Second Amendment? Oh, yeah, you're right. That's interesting. Isn't that the most important thing we have in the world? Yeah, the Second Amendment it was the does biggest, actually apply here. Biggest deal we had of all time, uh, better than everything. So not many uh, uh, blacks in town own guns. Right. Election Day came. Red shirts blocked every road leading into to towns in Could be North problem. Carolina. Could be a problem. They drove black voters away with gunfire. Could be, again, an issue. But there was still not much violence as blacks got the message and avoided the polls. Great. So every everybody wins. Yeah, the, yeah, the right people. Except for... Well, except for the majority. Right. The, this is before it was vote or die. It was vote and die. Yeah, so it was vote and then die. Right. Or die and then... Either way. No, die and no vote. Just die. Whatever. The Democrats wanted a landslide. Why? why? Do you have any I like statistics? What were the exit well, polls saying? Good message. Shocking. Good message. Connected with the consumers. The North Carolina state legislature also turned uh, back to Democratic control. So it's all coming. It's mm-hmm. all happening. But Wilmington's... Wilmington's local fusion party government remained in office since many local officials like the mayor and city council were not up for re-election in okay. that election. The next day, the Wilmington Messenger's headline was, Attention White Men. <laughs> That's the headline. It's a grabber. Oh, it's, it's a big grabber. It'll grab you. White men were being asked to gather at the courthouse at 10 a.m. Okay. <clears throat> That's fine. Anytime you see a a headline that says white men please gather at a place at a specific time it's fine fine it's like bowl, it's like a bowling message yeah they're they probably just bowling. a kite flying or something the next morning merchants mechanics farmers bankers clerks and clergymen packed the meeting alfred alfred rod waddell read them quote a white declaration of independence <sighs> <laughs> or as it's known in america the Declaration of Independence. It, it is. That's what the Declaration of it, Independence it, 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 is. It is shocking. <laughs> like even that. Like think of like, like think of the hypocrisy. That's insane. In writing, uh, you're in. De- uh, uh, it's overwhelming. The the the. <laughs> God damn it! How do you, oh fucking white people? Right. The worst. Mm. Quote. Who's worse? Horses, I agree. Besides them. Horses are worse. Quote, First, the time has passed for the intelligent citizens of the community owning 90% of the property and paying taxes in lack proportion to be ruled by Negroes. Second, we will not tolerate the action of unscrupulous white men in affiliating with the Negroes so that by 
means of their votes, they can dominate the intelligent and thrifty element in the community. Third, the Negro is demonstrated by antagonizing our interests in every way that he is incapable of realizing that his interests are and should be identical with those of the community. Fifth. Yeah. He, well, well, real quick, if I may jump go in. Go ahead. Well, why, why, why are we continually banging our heads against the wall as to why these black people will not accept the clear rules we've set down <laughs> that are fair? The rule is simple. Are you into our white, white supremacist society or are you out? Uh, yeah. Because if mean, you're out, you're a problem. Make and if tr- you're in, you've agreed to be a problem. Uh, thank you. You finally... Fifth, we propose in the future we give to white men a large part of the employment now given to Negroes. Yes, obviously, that's fair. That's totally fair. It's finally time for white guys to get a chance. I mean, give them a break. Come on! You know what, you know, how long do we give the black guys jobs? Two hundred Four years? months. Two hundred years? Oh, yeah, those jobs, yeah. They, had a, they, would led the, they led the slave job market. They were like 100% of the slave job market. I don't know if it was that much, but I it was close. In the 90s. There were a couple confused white guys in the mix. Wait, what? Hold on! I just realized something! Seem... Oh, boy, Tom woke up. <clears throat> Tom woke up? Oh, boy. Uh, sixth, we are prepared to treat the Negroes with justice and consideration in all matters which do not involve sacrifices of the interests of the intelligent and progressive <laughs> portion of the community. Look, we'll be fair when we're not being pricks. <laughs> Come on. The seventh resolution condemned Alexander Manley's editorial and demanded that the newspaper, quote, cease to be published and its editor be banished from the city. Fair. Banishment is something that is yeah, still fine. cool and in. I'm totally fine with yeah, that. Yeah, right. I'm free. Yeah, I can go. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, put a sack over his head and hit a horse. But Manley had already fled Wilmington, and the record was no longer being published because he knew he was going to get You think lynched. he felt pressure? I don't know why he would. Do you think it was because of the editorial? No. Probably not. 25 whites were appointed to a committee to carry out the resolutions. <clears throat> 32. Well, I'm sure they'll be fair. It'll be great. It's all white guys. 32 prominent black citizens were brought to the courthouse where Waddell read them the declaration. He gave them each copies and told them they had been picked, assuming they were the leaders of the black community. You all look the same to us. Y'all, y'all, so, uh, y'all seem like leaders, right? We can't tell. We're not, I'm not, I'm not, what? Huh? No, I, I no. Well, you're black, aren't you? Yeah, but... Okay. All right. He admitted it. They admitted it! <clears throat> he told them they were to respond to the declaration before 7.30 the next morning. One black guy said, quote, Colonel, we are not responsible for this, and we have no authority. Waddell replied, The meeting stands adjourned. <laughs> <clears throat> that was uh, the 1800s talk to the hand. <laughs> has been adjourned. Yeah, but, uh, excuse me. I, oh, this meeting has been adjourned. No, but I have one thing talk to, to say. Talk to the hand. You can't... You need you to talk to the hand. No. You have any more questions? No, Feel free I, to ask no, them. I'm good. What's your question? No, I'm fine. Ask it. I'm, I'm just gonna... Ask okay. it. So what... Talk I, to the hand. Okay. Also, real quick, yep. talk to the wrist. Oh. You've been dissed. Okay, next. So, <clears throat> the 32 black leaders wrote this response. Fuck you, white <clears throat> man. Quote, we, the colored citizens, to whom was referred the matter of expulsion from the community of the person and press of Alexander Manley, beg most respectfully 
to say that we are in no way responsible for, nor in any way condone, the obnoxious article <sighs> that called forth your actions. Neither are we authorized to act for him in this manner, but in the interest of peace, we will most willingly use our influence to have your wishes carried out. Okay, so they're making peace. I mean, they're being as agreeable as, as 25 men who got called to look. a courthouse to represent a race can be. <laughs> They then gave the letter to attorney Armin Scott to bring it to Waddell's home. But Scott then found out that he was on a list of men who were going to be banished. So instead of delivering it to Waddell's hand, he put it in Waddell's mailbox. Now, what's the logic there? He just didn't. I, I don't know. Either he didn't. Either he was like, fuck this shit. <coughs> he like saw his name. He's like, I don't want to get banished. Or he was scared he would then get killed if he went and handed right. the letter. One or the other. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I don't disagree with the call. Right. Well. Waddell apparently didn't check his it. mailbox at 730 in the morning. And it, Are it, you kidding me? <clears throat> I know. It's weird. Where the hell are they? <laughs> the little flag on the mailbox is up. Oh, there's no way they put it in there. <laughs> what is that little flag about anyway? At 8 a.m., white men gathered at the armory. Good. Always, always good. At 8.15, Waddell volunteered as a leader. Good. Quote, I never dreamed the time would come when I would lead a mob. I think you did. Uh, this feels amazing. I think I that you did dream of that. I didn't know this one. I'm, this is wonderful. Oh, shucks me. Miss America, I can't believe it. All I did was enter. I feel like you're being a little harsh. <laughs> On who? The guy. Yeah, the guy's just. You know, oh, he's a good guy. He obviously, he gets a job leading a mob. And good guy. Mocking him. Yeah, he saw a hole. He filled it. About 500 men were at the armory now. They walked up Market Street and quote through the city into a state of excitement. Great. Schools were let out, taverns closed their doors, and all businesses stopped. <laughs> I love like the idea of taverns closing their doors. You'd be like, why? Come on! There's a white man march on! Go sit the drink to celebrate! Just open the door! People were watching from sidewalks and windows, and the mob then swelled to 2,000. At 8 a.m., the mob arrived at the newspaper office, ransacked it, and then burnt it. Cool. This obviously caused the blacks living in town to freak the fuck out. Why? Rumor quickly spread that whites were going to burn down and kill them in their area of the city. Well... Doesn't sound like whites. No. Doesn't sound like the whites. Not my whites. Not my whites. Not my whites. At a cotton compress, around 300 workers walked off the job and stood around in the street, terrified, trying to figure out what to do. Ugh. Then the whites marched in. Ugh. A group of black men were standing on a corner. They were ordered to disperse. The whites claimed the blacks refused and then shot at them. So the whites fired back. Does that sound? Yeah. Pretty they like? were provoked. Yep. For sure. Uh, three black men were killed. Two white guys were wounded slightly. Or in other words, hit me, hit me, Jim. Oh, my eye. One black guy took off running down the street, shot a rifle at William Mayo, who was standing on his veranda. I mean, right there, you deserve to be shot at. <laughs> Anyone standing on their veranda? Pal, you got to get dropped a peg. It's agreed. Uh, Mayo was shot in the left lung. Mm. That's what it said. That's not a great place to get shot. Feels like the chest. Yeah. Uh, the black guy ran off but was found hiding under a bed, and he was shot and killed. 
Around 1 p.m., some black man in a house shot some white guys walking by. Does that sound like that would happen? <laughs> nope. In this, no, it doesn't, does it? It yeah. doesn't sound like that would happen in this yeah. situation. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. But that's what the historical record. Well, then it has to be true. <clears throat> the house was surrounded and four black men were captured and taken to jail. One tried to run away, but ah, he was shot and killed. Wow. During the afternoon, eight more black men were killed. That night, the city was patrolled by whites. Obviously, the record of what occurred that night changes based on the color of your skin. Well, uh, whenever we're in situations like this, I always say trust the whites. Yeah, thank you. You know, I mean, and when, they, when, they, it, when have when have white people ever been go with the whites wrong or distorted the truth? They they haven't ever. Waddell estimated uh, around twenty dead black people. Cool. <clears throat> Others said it was closer to ninety. Interesting. African Americans in Wilmington believed the death toll was around three hundred. Hmm. Strange. Feels like the Iraq body count. The official count was twenty five. Oh, okay. But the bodies were all dumped into the river, and it is believed many more were killed. Well, you know, what are you going to do? They're, they got into the river. Well, once they're in the river, you can't count them. No. Nope. That's yeah. cool. The governor was almost killed. When he heard about what happened, he was around Wilmington, and he headed for Raleigh on a train. The train was stopped in the town of Maxton, where a mob of red shirts were waiting for him. They swarmed the train car, yelling, Lynch him! The governor's aide got into the boxcar, which was then locked, and the train pulled out, and he survived. He's white, though, right? Yeah, but they still... The, the, because... Because he was a, a, aligned with the... Because he was aligned. The, the, the fusion party. <laughs> so he's part of the fusion party, so he's working with... So he's got to go. They, they, I, would, I would imagine that they were considered worse than the black No, there people. was something... There was something... Yeah. Yeah, that, that that is true. Yeah, I mean, they're they're like the associate. If you if you compromised your whiteness, it was almost like worse. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like dating outside of the circle, Which the tribe, mm, ah. the tribal circle. From the San Francisco Call, November eleventh, eighteen ninety eight. This afternoon, the Wilmington City Council resigned one by one, as each member vacated the remaining elected a successor named by the Citizens Committee until the entire board was changed legally. Good. They resigned in response to public sentiment. The new board is composed of conservative Democratic citizens. Finally, a voice of the people. Thank you. The mayor and chief of police then resigned, and the new board elected their successors according to law. Good. Alfred Waddell was elected mayor. Perfect. But he seems like a born leader. He does. He led the mob. He did the speech it's his time. about killing and all the people. Yeah. Well, I think he'll be fair. Yep. It he sounds like, like he'll a be fair. fair. Uh, a committee moved uh, quickly around uh, and notified the more prominent and objectionable white Republicans that they must leave town. The first act of the new government. It, it is so weird to hear of. Republicans being the sort of savior party the of good the, guys, yeah, and of, the Democrats of being blacks, monsters, yeah. Yeah. monsters. Makes you think <clears throat> sometimes. The first act of the new government was to swear in 250 special policemen chosen from the ranks of reputed, reputable white citizens. Uh. <clears throat> uh, Waddell quote: "We literally followed the law as the fusionists made it themselves." There has not been a single illegal act committed in the change of government. Simply, the old board went out and the new board came in strictly according to law. Nothing to fear, black people. Nothing weird here. Have you been down to, to Dead Black Person River? It's what we call an oil change. 
We're having a governmental oil change, okay? Nothing to worry Nothing about. Nothing to worry about. Just some new oil. Mm. On November 14th, the state Democratic Party held a huge party and rally. More than 2,000 torches lit the cheering mob, and 500 barrels of burning tar filled, with, filled the air with plumes of colored smoke, creating a carnival atmosphere. Sorry. Uh, they had a party. Uh, and they're boiling tar? Yeah, I mean, what, yeah. What else would you do? Is that the end? Nope. Four days after the coup, <sighs> hundreds of African Americans were still hiding in the forest around Wilmington. Many had run off without coats or blankets, and they slept on wet ground. They had no money, no clothes, no food. Parents were too scared to light fires to warm their children, fearing the whites would come to kill them. Like, what world? Honestly. You know what I mean? How do you even claim that you... Like, how do you claim to be, like, a society? Oh, it's fucking... Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. After Alfred Waddell became mayor, he had a list of people to banish. I'm swamped in banishment work. <laughs> These piles are just, oh, they're growing. I did not know there'd be so many banishments or I would not have <sighs> taken this job. Oh, I swear to God I'm going to work late tonight. Mr. May, we have a new list of banishments. No! What the fuck? My hand hurts. Gosh, I don't think anyone could empathize with my pain right now. Nobody. My hand is killing me. I'm the victim. Soldiers with bayonets marched fusionist leaders to the train station. White fusionist George French had a noose placed around his neck and was about to be hung when a member of the Committee of 25 saved him. He was then taken to the train station and told never to return. (laughs) No shit. Former chief of police John Melton was carried onto a train going to Washington, D.C. as he was... Screamed at, quote, white nigger. You know, that... uh, Chris Rock did a bit on SNL like 15 years ago where he was trying to come up with a a word to call white people, and that was the one he came up with. (laughs) But the idea that it was really, like... Yeah. You, you, anybody who says that, they should be top of the kill list. (laughs) Anyone who's like, that's a, that makes sense. What are you talking about? On Sunday, November 13th, the Reverend J.W. Kramer said the mobs in the streets had been doing, quote, God's service at First Baptist Church. You know what the world needs less of what? are God interpreters. What do you mean? No, he's right. He's we made, could he's, use less. He's, he's, made, he's made. Well, okay. At First Baptist Church, the minister compared the victory to the triumph of the Lord over Satan and his, quote, black-robed angels. He... What? He dismissed the killings as, quote, a mere incident. You cannot make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. The primary Nobody's purpose eating. was not to kill, but to educate. Oh, my God. But that's, he's really, the Reverend at the first Presbyterian church read, quote, he that ruleth his spirit is better than he that taketh a city. Since last we met in these walls, we have taken a city. To God be the praise. He, if I just, I love to picture God. He, he'd be very like the confused. idea that if he, if this is a real being, and of course he's a man, right. but if this is a real being, he must just be sitting up there pulling out his hair every century. No, 
That's not what I meant. If he came down, the first thing he would say was, you guys don't talk for me. I he, got this. He would come down like a parent who like heard a noisy party going on in a basement. Do I have to do this again? Jesus. Yeah, not you. I was just having a race war. Not you. Dad, I was just having a race war. <laughs> Sorry, I misunderstood. Not you. My boy's going through his adolescent race war phase. Something you people could empathize with and learn from. Um, at the opening of the Negro State Fair. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing I read. That's actually By the way, that I read and put uh, in here. Better fair. Has to be. I mean, I feel like they might have changed Lower the name. budget, better fair. I think they might have changed the name by now. Well, that's the No, the Orange County Negro Fair is in June. At the opening of the Negro State Fair on November 15th, 1898, five days later, Joe Daniels wrote in the News and Observer, quote, of the genuine friendships which the leaders of white supremacy felt for them. It was a campaign not directed to the law-abiding and industrious Negro, but at the Negro slave drivers, of which Governor Russell was the head. Republican President William McKinley completely ignored what happened and would not meet with the white office holders who had fled the state. No charges were filed. In the end, the federal government determined whatever they tried would end in an acquittal, which is absolutely true. Right attitude. November 26, 1898, the state newspaper. <clears throat> Mr. Josephus Daniels, editor of the Raleigh News and Observer, wrote to the governor of South Carolina, quote, as the result of the recent election, there is considerable feeling in the state in favor of some con constitutional provision that will eliminate the Negro as a political factor. Will you do me the great kindness of writing me the methods employed to eliminate the Negro vote without depriving the illiterate white man of his vote? Any uh, advice would be appreciated. Uh. Well, we got a problem because all the laws we try to come up with, uh, they apply to the poor white guy. It's a very frustrating situation that I find myself. That in. that is so much. That's like that just just further insults uh, to think that. I mean, it's just so based on skin color. It, oh. You you would not that you would understand it, but if you were like, they're a completely different class. Like any one of that. Anyone of that affluent, like that nature, needs to be left out of the polling stations. But instead, you're just sort of like, dumb whiteies. We need them. No, we need them. We need the stupid white people. It's very difficult. It's, it's hard to What's, tell them apart on paper. It's it's hard it's because very difficult. It, because again, they're illiterate. It's right. hard. I'm having a hard time. God, white is. Oh, great. it is a burden trying to run things. I'll tell you, you trying to get every whitey involved because there's so many stupid ones of. Of us, but still, we're the best. The Democrats int introduced a constitutional amendment that created literacy tests for voting and a poll tax. The grandfather clause protected illiterate Ugh. whites for a time. Any descendants because of a man... Because if your grandfather, if your grandfather couldn't vote, you couldn't, right? Right. <laughs> Fuck, I mean... It's, uh, they figured it out. They found the whole thing. Uh, Why not just be fully transparent? No, it's the grandfather it's a, law. It's a grandfather thing. Yeah. It's, it all sounds nice. It's a grandpa. I, I'm, I'm not familiar with your history. What is it? Really? Well, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to vote either. Man, who knew that you guys were enslaved? First I've heard of it. Anywho's will be. Move away. We've got a dumb white man to vote. 
any descendant of a man eligible to vote before 1867 need not prove his literacy. In 1896, 85.4% of North Carolina's electorate cast a ballot. By 1904, less than 50%. In 1900, the Democratic Party won by a landslide, taking the governorship. Why do you think? White men had made up 52% of the unemployed and hoped to take over black jobs after the coup, but complaints started that poor whites could not uh, count lumber, that it took two white guys to do the work of one black guy, and that whites were not as hardworking or literate as blacks, and whites didn't want to work in domestic and service positions. A textile factory owner said, quote, now is, sorry, there is now a universal complaint of the scarcity of reliable labor. That's so weird that that just it's happened. Like the second you put the smart, great white people in the jobs, well, that's just what happened they started when they, to when get they eliminated uh, Mexican workers from Alabama. From Alabama, exactly what happened. But you, there is like the, that. That really is like. I mean, that is the quandary: is that like white people are like we're the best, can't do anything better than us, except for picking stuff. And a lot of these jobs, actually, we uh, <laughs> We're not all, all we're, those jobs. Turns out we're really spoiled, yeah. and that gets in the way of our work ethic. Oh, thank you. So it's weird like that. Um, Rebecca Latimer Felton, remember her? She gave the speech. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, uh, that was five hours ago. Yeah, she became the first woman in the U.S. Senate in 1922. <laughs> Good. She was appointed as a replacement when a North Carolina senator died. Congress was not in well, session at the time. She was sworn in on November 21st made a speech thanking the Senate and said that the women who followed her would serve with, quote, ability and integrity of purpose. Her elected successor was then sworn in, and their term lasted 24 hours. What a run, though, huh? The first female U.S. senator. What a run. Just a fucking monster, racist, horrific person. Well, but Dave, I'm not even going to say it. Sometimes being the first doesn't actually mean much if you're the person you are it turns out i think it's Mm -hmm. in 2006 the news and observer penned an editorial titled quote a painful past knowing the paper's part in the racist efforts of 1898 were quote not a history we can undo but this newspaper was a leader in that propaganda effort under editor and publisher josephus daniels In August 2007, the North Carolina State Senate passed a resolution acknowledging and expressing profound regret for the coup. We officially feel awful. Turns out, we we were naughty. We feel super bad about what we did with the whole killing and the murders and whatnot. We know that no amount of money, time, or effort can make up for what we did. Mm-hmm. So we're going to give you a full page full, in our paper. Full page. I think that that should say enough. Page eight. Still. We're doing sorries. So this is, we've got a case of the sorries. Okay. Okay. Official, our bad. Official sorries. Our bad. Mm-hmm. Woo. Anyway. Egg on our face. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry about the whole life thing. Oopsie doopsies. Existence must have been treacherous. Uh, well, good. How do you feel? You know what was nice about that one was that we got a halftime to watch Tickled. Mm-hmm. So uh, I got to see what happens when white people are left in power. 
<laughs> Jose's like, trying to wrap it up, dude. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah Jose's lick. like, I'll go to Alabama and pick all that fruit, bro. You don't look stupid licking your neck at all. It's totally working out. Well, the bandana throws him off because he's like tattered. <laughs> yeah, look. this is sad to watch. <laughs> it's a cat trying to lick its neck with a bandana on is <laughs> just a tragedy. <laughs> Let's get the bandana off for a second. What's up? Lick that neck, bro. Lick that neck, bro. That's yeah. a fat neck. Yeah, there you go. <sighs> what do you do when your cat's fat? I don't you know, know. You don't leave a food bowl out. No, but I like feed. I don't like feed. Um, it's not like I'm always keeping it full. Like I monitor. Well, something's gone wrong. Stop saying wrong. What are you talking about? I'm watching, He's a good Dom, looking I'm watching beast. Dom DeLuise in cat form now. <laughs> All right. We signed cars. <sighs> Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there.